0: And, uh, you know, as a true solo attorney, like I'm working weekends, I'm working after hours, you know, after we put the kid down and after I spend some time with my wife, like I go back to the computer and I get some work done. And that's, that's fine. That's part of the, that's part of the deal. Uh, but I also, I'm not putting out fires because when clients are not afraid to call you, you help them with problem avoidance, not problem solving. And it's sort of like, I mean, this is how Costco works. This is how like Amazon prime works. It's like people you, you're making money by marketing to your clients. Like they will continue to use you because they're already paying you. So if you could spend money marketing or make money marketing, which would you choose? I would choose to make money marketing. Um, And so the relationship is phenomenal.
1: Welcome. Welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. Thanks again for listening to us. Rory Gill with Jason Muth. And we have another attorney on the line here, Rory. Uh, And he has an interesting story. I think you're an attorney, right, Matthew? I'm an attorney. You're an attorney. Okay. Matthew is the subscription attorney, not just any attorney.
2: And I am not shocked to know that this is a business model. Are you, Rory? Um, No, not at all. In fact, I'm really excited to be speaking with him today because I'm actually working on assembling new packages of legal services and maybe some subscription services, but it's difficult to kind of turn a lot of practice from the traditional billing method into offering clients, I think what they really want, and that is a known set of services or subscription-based. So I'm really self-interested to hear what Matthew has to share with us today. Yeah,
1: I should say we're self-interested about all of our guests.
2: We are. I mean, we love all the guests that come on the show, but
1: let's introduce Matthew. This is Matthew Matthew Kerbis. The subscription attorney goes by Kerbis because when you walk in a room, there's no other Kerbis in the room, but there's a lot of Matthews in the room, right? That's right. Yeah. Kerbis is also a podcaster himself, and he has uh, a number of endeavors, which we'll get into in a second. But, you know, the primary one is being a subscription attorney and teaching people how to do that. I think running your own subscription attorney service,
0: right? So I do, well, I do teach lawyers how to do it. I'm only teaching a, like a handful at a time. Um, Like 80, 70 to 80% of what I do is practice law as an attorney offering subscription legal services to clients. Yeah. Where are you based out of? I'm in the Chicagoland area, but since I'm a virtual law firm, I serve all of Illinois. All of Illinois. Okay.
1: So subscription services are, they're not new, right? I mean, like we used to get magazines in the mail back in the day. And it's the same kind of concept where you get Access to an audience of people, access to a library of videos and resources and that kind of thing. Matthew, I should say Kerbis, what got you involved
0: in wanting to do a subscription law practice? It's so many factors. And and at this point it's really hard for me to like figure out like exactly where it came from, but the shortest version I could give you is when I was in law school, I was chair of the law student division for the American Bar Association. That's kind of like being president of America's law students. They're not technically that, but kind of like that. And so I travel the country. I lobby on behalf of law students for the section of legal education and the ABA. And I'm always hearing about like the two most important things for law students was like, can I get a job to pay back these student loans? And like, that was like the most important thing. Then you graduate, and you got six figures of student loan debt and you're just thinking like, I got to just pay down the student loan debt. Even if you went to law school and you wanted to help people, and you wanted to do put good out into the world. But now you can't do that. So um, so that was sort of in the back of my head. Um, I was my first job out of law school was doing um, a, as an attorney doing foreclosure defense work. And that's keeping a roof over people's heads. And while I wasn't really interested in the business of law at the time, um, I came to learn that we charged our clients just a flat amount every month that we could keep them in their homes. Kind of like the subscription model, right? So then that was sort of in the back of my head percolating. I started to get really into like startups and entrepreneurship, and you know the SaaS model, software as a service models everywhere, subscription based, right? And then um, there was also this access to justice problem that I learned about, and I was like, well, gosh, like how are we gonna how are we gonna do that? Like how are we gonna solve that problem? And then. Um, During the pandemic, I had a kid and I was like, I got to spend more time with this kid. Like, I really like doing this. And like, as things are opening up, I want to be able to be there for my family and not have to go into an office every day. Since we started to do that again and billing time just like doesn't comport with like being a family member (laughs) and like being involved with your family. So then that, that happened too. And I was like, well, maybe I could start this own thing. And I I was, I had been thinking about the subscription model, but when it came to like how to price it and like, how should I actually do it and launch it? I put myself in the shoes of a client. I was thinking, well, how would I want to pay for legal services? Like what prices would make sense for me? Because that's a lot of questions that I get too, is like, well, how do you even price it? So um, what could I afford and with uh, uh, you know having six figures of student loan debt myself? And I just sort of designed this practice around being able to pay back my student loans while helping people, making enough money for something that someone else would be willing to pay and to do it in such a way that I could show other lawyers that they could do it too, so we could both close the access to justice gap and help lawyers pay down their six-figure student loans. And so I'm both trying to do it, and with the podcast, Law Subscribed, uh, you know, teach it or show it other lawyers that
1: they could do it too. And at this juncture, Rory, I'm going to shut up, because you have lots of questions, and you have Kerbis for a half hour right now of free
2: advice, so get at it. Right. And I don't want to, I'll make this more generally applicable and not have you look at my business plan in particular. But um, let's animate this a little bit. Can you give us an example of what a subscription service would look like um, for a client? Uh, what kind of services lend themselves to the subscription model? Anything
0: and everything. I mean, I even just had uh, my first episode went live where I interviewed an attorney using it for criminal defense, where I wasn't sure that it could be done with that before. Right. But she's finding a way to do it. Um, which is very clever. Um, There's no one right way to do it. And since we're all pretty new in the space, I mean, there have been some lawyers who've been doing it for almost 10 years, but even the way that they've been doing it is just the way that they've been doing it because there's not really a community. Um, So uh, the way that I use it, the way that I make most of my money as a subscription, as like the subscription attorney practicing law is as fractional in-house counsel. So, you know, like there's businesses who will never be large enough or frankly don't want to hire a full-time in-house attorney or general counsel, this is called like general counsel as a service. I've heard some people call it. So I just do whatever that business needs, like an in-house attorney would. And in the same way that an in-house attorney will on occasion need to hire outside counsel for specialized legal work, I I facilitate that process of hiring outside counsel. But instead of paying me a high six-figure salary, and I'm always there and benefits and everything, well, they just pay a fraction of that because they have a fraction of the legal services needs. So that allows the business owner, the the founder, the CEO, who is usually also... Uh, wearing a lot of other hats, marketing, you know, finance, CFO. You know, they're wearing all the hats. Well, now they could offload the 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 chief legal officer hat because they're the ones negotiating their commercial leases, their contracts, their employment agreements. You know, maybe they have someone in HR, but now I, now that that HR person can use me for like a legal resource, right? So for right now, like prices have always change, but right now it's twenty five hundred a year for small businesses. So it's thirty grand, sorry, twenty five hundred a month, thirty grand a year, and. It's ten projects, which is either a contracts letters or, or a research project, but very rarely do my clients go over ten a month who are signed up with me at that level, and um, and a lot of that involves like you know commercial real estate related things. Some are are leasing, um, some are even like acquiring commercial real estate and becoming landlords, um, and so that's like where I make like most of my revenue. But for everyday people, there's actually a huge opportunity there. And I have quite a few people signed up at $20 a month, which is like, think of it as like the Costco membership, right? Like in order to do business with Costco, you must first become an annual subscriber. Like that's kind of like how my business model works. And it's how I recommend other attorneys who want to use it, do it as well and find the lowest accessible price that you can for the market you're trying to serve. So for me, that's $20 a month. And I do have businesses who start out at $20 a month and $50 a page, and if I eventually... People are like, lawyers are like, Rory, maybe you can write $50 a page. Like, that's not enough money. It's like, well, at scale, it is. Because individually, like for like a one-off contract, it's only 50, one-page contract is 50 bucks. But I've represented some clients who have had, who are leaving one job, going to another job, and they're high enough up where they have employment contracts. We're talking about 30 pages of, co- of, a co- of two 15-page you know, contracts. That's 1,500 bucks. That's pretty good. That's good money, Right. And so um, for businesses who hire me to do that, they're like, well eventually it's gonna stop making sense for me to pay $50 a page and I want bundled projects. And so that's why I'm able to sell that those higher level subscriptions because some of my business clients who are paying 2500 a month, if I were to charge them per page, they'd be paying me over 5,000 a month. Um, and so for them, it's just a no-brainer makes sense. So it's how you design your package. That's like a key factor of it. But for an everyday person, I actually get a lot of clients through prenups. So they they're like they're looking for to do prenups. A lot of people right now, children of divorce, and now they're getting married and they don't want to go through what their parents went through. And so they're looking for prenups. Prenups are a super easy thing to do. If you take the CLEs and you learn how to do it and you learn which applicable laws apply, it you know took me like a weekend to to learn how to do it through the right CLEs. And I automated this process. So it doesn't take me much time because I'm not billing my time. So I incentivize to be efficient. So they sign up with me to do the prenup. Then they're get then they get married well the prenup says under Illinois law anyway but most prenups probably say this now you have to name your your now spouse in all your estate planning well now they need an estate plan so guess what I do I do simple estate plans I don't do super complicated ones but usually when people are just getting married they don't have a lot of complicated estate planning needs so I only so I only charge I charge a flat fee I haven't memorized my prenup flat fee and depending on where I get the lead from sometimes I charge a different amount but if but all my prices are on my website. So then, I only charge four hundred dollars for a simple estate plan per per person, and so um, and and for spouses, I give a hundred dollar discount on the second estate plan. So that's seven hundred dollars there, right? You know, right there. And in addition, you know, they're already subscribed; they already paid me the flat fee for the prenup. In Illinois, you need two attorneys to do the prenup, so I can't represent both parties on that. And then, usually, when people get married, uh, they want to buy a house, <laughs> and then uh, I represent them on the transaction of buying a house, right? And so, like, that's just the example. Then things come up in their life. They're presented with a contract here and there. They're already subscribed at $20 a month. And I just become like their fractional in-house counsel for their life. And and so even though I'm not I'm making less money there, I have more clients in that space because, you know, it's sort of easier to do. It's very accessible pricing. And so um, I should really probably niche down into just one area. But I love doing both. And there's so much market opportunity here. I'm not worried about competition, which is why I'm happy to come on your podcast and talk about it.
2: Well, I mean, I see the the clear value proposition from the client's point of view. They're getting access to legal services um, at a lower rate than they otherwise may have uh, paid by committing to a subscription model. But, you know, from the attorney's point of view, there are times when clients need a lot of attention and uh, times when they need little attention. So take the small business owner, for example. When they're first just starting out and they're incorporating their business, that requires a lot of attention and time on the attorney's part to get them going. Um, but maybe to maintain the business, it's a little bit less. How do you incentivize the client to stick with you at the subscription and not just free ride in the beginning when they have a lot of needs and then uh, just cancel the subscription once they, um, their needs are a little bit less?
0: So I'm not worried about clients canceling the subscription because um, I find that even when they're not subscribed to me, they're still thinking of me as their lawyer. And so I'd rip- I make offboarding and onboarding super easy. They can do it all self-service mm-hmm. in the client portal. And so they unsubscribe. They could resubscribe whenever they want. And clients do. They unsubscribe and resubscribe. Now eventually, that's going to get tiresome, and it's only twenty dollars a month to stay subscribed, which is part of the reason why I picked such a low accessible price to to do the the monthly you know membership model for that. And for projects like larger project type things, this is where the subscription plus flat fee model really comes in and really shines. So at twenty dollars a month, they get access to and I actually pulled up my flat fee services, so I could actually reference them now. Uh, so the prenup is seven fifty. Sorry, six fifty. It's six fifty right now. But for like to set up an uh, an LLC and get the operating agreement in place, I charge eight hundred fifty dollars for that for twenty dollar month subscribers. So yeah, like that's going to require more work. So I charge a a larger flat fee. So they know they sign up at twenty bucks. I charge that flat fee. Illinois law, Illinois uh, code of professional conduct for lawyers lets me take that fee up front and put it directly into my operating account. Our rule one point five allows that as effective July of twenty twenty three. So like. Very recently, it like explicitly lets you do that, which is fantastic. Um, and then I, I do the work. And if I keep them happy, then then that's something that, you know, I, I show them that I could be there for other things, too. And it's like the onus is on me to be a good business owner and show the value to my client. And that, that I make it month to month gives them the confidence that I'm going to continue to try to give them value every single month. Um, and if I'm not giving them value, then they shouldn't stay subscribed because they're not going to refer me. They're not going to leave me good reviews. And so like I have all the incentives to keep them subscribed or make the offboarding process uh, really appealing to them. I also offer ongoing subscription add-ons in addition to that. So even if they're only at twenty dollars a month and they sign up for that set up your business package, I offer to be the their Illinois registered agent, so for their business to receive their uh, you know their notices and and other things in in the mail. Um, I have a negotiations subscription add-on where for another, and, and so the Illinois registered agent, I charge $50 a month for that. But then also for the negotiations add-on, if they want me to negotiate things on their behalf, now th- this is, that's bundled, those things are bundled back in with my higher level subscriptions for my small business clients. Um, but I unbundle these for other clients because they don't, you know, solopreneurs, freelancers, everyday people, sometimes they just want to negotiate on their own. So that's fine. So I'm not expecting to negotiate unless they want to pay me another $200 a month. In which case, I'm happy to do that. Landlords really like that. I'm also happy to do it with, for, for tenants, but more landlords are more so looking to hire me than, than tenants right now. Um, and so I have s- several landlords who have signed up at just $220 a month so they could ask me questions. And whenever there's a legal dispute, I'm not a property manager, but whenever there's a legal dispute with a tenant, I could handle that. And then if we need to draft a, a payment plan or a settlement agreement, then, then they know it's 50 bucks a page. And so, um, so it's just about so like having these other subscription pricing or flat fee pricing that shows them there's more value here. You can stay subscribed and now you don't have to worry about this. Now you can worry about the other stuff and managing your properties, or you can worry about like going to the beach or spending time with your family because now you're not also doing the legal work, which you could figure out. Like I do, Rory, I do mile wide, inch deep stuff, not the sexy things people went to law school for, but it's things that, people love to just outsource and not have to worry about themselves there's a lot of money to be made there
2: how does this impact your relationship with the clients in a way they become members or part of a, a club in a sense in a way that just an ad hoc client um, doesn't necessarily feel does that impact the, the the relationship you have with the clients absolutely um clients are not afraid
0: to contact me because they know they're, they're they're already paying me for it um, and I don't just let clients call me whenever, with the exception of like two of them that I brought over with me when I started the law firm. They already have my cell phone. So, you know, uh, they're going to call me. That's totally fine. They're excellent clients. But for my for like all new clients after starting my firm, they get calendly links in their client portal where they could schedule 15 minute calls with me. And uh, and that's when they can get a hold of me if they want to talk to me on Zoom or over the phone or they can message me in the client portal whenever they want. And I typically get back within 24 to 48 hours, depending on my workload. And, uh, you know, as a true solo attorney, like I'm working weekends, I'm working after hours, you know, after we put the kid down and after I spend some time with my wife, like I go back to the computer and I get some work done and that's, that's fine. That's part of the, that's part of the deal. Uh, but I also, I'm not putting out fires because when clients are not afraid to call you, you help them with problem avoidance, not problem solving. And it's sort of like, I mean, this is how Costco works. This is how like Amazon prime works. It's like, People, you're making money by marketing to your clients. Like they will continue to use you because they're already paying you. So if you could spend money marketing or make money marketing, which would you choose? (laughs) I would choose to make money marketing. Um, And so the relationship is phenomenal. Um, I don't treat it as like a membership like some other like organizations might that are outside of law. Uh, There are a few examples of, of these sprouting up in the legal community though. Council for Creators being one of them where they have like, monthly calls with all of their members who are subscribed. And so that's like their approach. That's their unique approach. I don't see myself ever doing something like that, but there are lawyers who are treating it more like a like a club type membership and, um, and like making sure clients know of each other. And depending on the industry that you serve, that might work well. Counsel for creators, a lot of creative types. Maybe they could hire each other um, or send business back and forth. So like there's a value to something like that. Um, but that is not the approach that i have chosen to take uh, but still super great way to build relationships with clients when they're not afraid to call you and 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 i'm anticipating another question rory which is well what if they call you all the time or what if they schedule a million 15-minute calls with you in a row they it for, that's why i love month to month because then i could drop them too at the end of the month so that's number one answer to that the second part of the answer to that question is they have their own lives they have their own businesses they are
2: trying to make money, Like they have more important things to do than call and talk to their lawyer all day, every day. I'm also a little curious in how you set some of the, the correct boundaries and expectations um, with the clients, because ultimately, if they kind of think of you as their lawyer, you may be formally engaged in certain matters, but not in others. How do you have them understand, at least for your own protection um, with the ethical rules, how do you get them to understand where your representation of them starts and where it ends?
0: Yeah, so my engagement agreement is available for everyone to read, subscriptionattorney.com slash hashtag engagement. Um, And our our ethical rules require that you, like, make sure they know what they're agreeing to. So I have several touch points where that's available, including just being publicly accessible on my website. And I think I do a pretty good job being crystal clear in that engagement agreement. I've made it as simple and as short as I can with something somewhat complicated, like subscription legal services. It can only be so brief. but, uh, but I think it's really easy to understand and it's as simple as possible. And frankly, it fully incorporates my website as part of it because all my marketing material, all my pricing and everything is incorporated into that engagement agreement as well. Uh, and so it just sort of forces me to be transparent with everything. And I say in there, like, I can't help you with every single legal problem. But if you come to me early enough, like I might be able to help you avoid legal problems that will require you hire counsel that are specialized, you know, a mile deep in one area. Uh, and so that's sort of the goal. And it behooves me to to develop those relationships and explain those things to my clients. Most of my clients will, I might, when you go to my website, subscriptionattorney.com, there's there's two big buttons that jump out at you. Schedule a call or learn more. Most of my clients will schedule a call with me. Now they can't, are like prospective clients. You can click learn more and you can like go down my three buckets of individual freelancer or business owner and and like sign up right from my website without ever having to talk to me. I've only gotten like three clients who have actually ever done that. Uh, And I've gotten some people who have done that where they're outside the state of Illinois, even though my onboarding process says I can't can't help you if there's no nexus with the, the state of Illinois. I'm talking to most of my clients before they sign up. And so I'm able to answer all their questions that they have. And while that is more difficult to scale, when you're a virtual law practice that automates everything and is, doesn't have to hire, like my overhead is super low. It's so like, I don't need to, like, I'm trying to build a lifestyle business. I'm not trying to build a giant law firm. And so because of that, I'm able to like do all the onboarding and talk to clients, potential clients and like establish from the very beginning of the relationship, what they can expect.
2: Now, I mean, you must to be able to do this in volume you must have your systems down um, and your automations down really well do you have any tips and tricks um for those on how they can automate their workflows um, and systematize their businesses
0: yeah um definitely lean into like tech tools right and like you can like i, I i'm pretty tech savvy so I, I don't know how to code but i'm really good with doing no coding no code tools so um so i've never done this but i've heard of some lawyers who like they go on fiverr, they go on upwork and like they hire no code or automation experts to like help them build out things in zapier. Um one of the guests i've had in my podcast, Sam Molai, has My Legal Academy and like they teach lawyers how to do like like funnels and zapier automations. Like that's like part of what they teach there. My podcast has two sponsors that are automation tech tools, legal tech tools. And you know, if you listen to my podcast, you could you learn that if you use the code law, you could save 10% by using those tools. I don't know if you want me to promo my, my sponsors on your podcast, but Go like right seriously, ahead. okay, well, those tools are super useful. I use them in my practice. I wouldn't, they wouldn't be sponsors of my podcast if I didn't. 650, um, that is a business and employment document database and automation tool, right? So like um, you, you can't customize those documents, but 650 is a legal tech company that spun out of a big Silicon Valley law firm. And so like, it's super reliable. Uh, and then Gavel is a bring your own, it used to be documented. So bring your own documents to automate, but they've grown so much more than just document automation. They do like intake automation. They do all sorts of automations and marketplace automations. Like Gavel is one of those platforms where you could compete with LegalZoom as a, as a law firm because you could just build products that you could also sell potential clients to, as part of the pipeline to get them in. That's on my product roadmap. Um, and But I am using it for other automations already. And I'm using a state specific one called formula through the Illinois Institute of Continuing Legal Education. So not all uh, attorneys will have that available to them, but um, but that's where, and, and that is super affordable at only $28 a month. They're not a sponsor, but like at $28 a month as an Illinois solo attorney, it's like a no brainer. Um, and, and they're also a document database and automation platform. What I don't love about those things is like, you can't customize the documents. That's why I like a tool like Gavel because Gavel is like a place where if, you, if you're if you not crazy about the documents, you could customize them and then automate things through Gavel. But just look, it takes time. I, I interviewed one lawyer on my podcast um, who's a like the subscription sports lawyer. And he said it took him four months and three hours to do the automations because he put it off for four months. And then it turns out it only took him three hours to like automate the thing. So like just set up the automations, like block some time and just set it up. It's not rocket science. It's a lot. I think it's a heck of a lot easier than practicing law to set up these automations. It's just a matter of learning how to do it or being willing to pay somebody to set it up for you. But I would be, my recommendation is be a part of that process so that you can go in and fine tune automations um, after the, the initial setup process is done.
2: Now, I know you're a, a solo attorney. Do you employ any um, assistants or uh, paralegals or do you have any anybody helping you out? Zero. I mean, like at the, I'm only 18
0: months into this. So I graduated from law school in 2014. So like I'm coming up on like 10 years post uh, law school, but I've only, I'm only 18 months at the time of recording into, uh, into this solo law firm endeavor. There may be a time where I employ like fractional assistants, but I have zero plans to hire a full-time anybody. So like virtual assistants are all the rage right now. There are some platforms out there specifically for lawyers to hire VAs. And then uh, there are platforms where you could hire like freelance attorneys or per diem attorneys, depending on what region of the U.S. you're in. Um, and you could outsource things there. Like, I I will only use those platforms. I have zero plans to hire and grow. Um, I may create, like, a network of attorneys who are using the subscription model and maybe even franchise the idea or do, like, a distributed law firm thing where, like, it's, like, a number of solo or small firm attorneys across the U.S. because, like, my biggest problem now, and this part of the reason I have the podcast, is, like, I want more attorneys using the subscription model. So when there's something that's outside of my licensed jurisdiction or a need I can't provide, I want to be able to refer my client to an attorney who like offers also like predictable pricing for them to know how much it's going to cost them. And right now it's hard to do that. I think that answers your question. I noticed with your podcast, so it's called
1: Law Subscribed. So you should subscribe to that. You do denote which guests are subscription attorneys Mm -hmm. on the page Law Subscribed. So, and you also have seminars available to people to learn how to do this, right? So is there a second element to your business where you're not just being the subscription attorney, but you're now teaching people
0: how to launch their own models for their own firms? Yeah. So it was never my intention. I spoke at ABA Tech Show in Chicago in March of 2023. And even in the presentation, I was like, I like, they tell us not to sell from the podium. I have nothing to sell you here. And it turns out that was a mistake because the lawyers came up to me in that room, the packed room of lawyers, and we were like, I will pay you to teach me how to do this. And I was like, well, okay, I, I guess if there's enough demand, I have to figure out uh, like what to charge and how to do it and figure that out. Now, it's like subscriptionseminar.com was available. Like I bought I bought it <laughs> through a domain registrar. And uh, and so I built out a program and I'm very involved in it. Like It's not like one of these pre-recorded things because... I don't think that that will work right now. Like, I don't know enough about it. I probably know more than anyone else because I also interview, I have a pod, I practice and I have a podcast where I interview other lawyers doing it, but, um, but it's still so new. And there are some programs out there that like get lawyers in the mindset of becoming subscription attorneys. And those programs are out there. And I've had some of those people reach out to me after taking those programs or like, I still don't know how to do it. Like, Mm -hmm. so, so like, I'm like a nuts and bolts program. And like, I only have two lawyers in it right now, like, because I am so busy practicing law that like, I really don't want to be a full-time lawyer coach. And so I have a wait list. And so like you sign up for the wait list and, and if I get more bandwidth or, um, one of the lawyers finishes their program then I could take on more, um, and as, and, and part of the reason I'm only doing a couple at a time right now too, is like. I'm changing the program as I'm learning with these other lawyers who are starting to launch their subscription models. Right. And, and so, um, and it's like, like, I just spend, I do a lot of work, but the lawyers do tons of work on it. Like, cause they have to like, like look up the ethics codes, which they haven't looked at since they started their own firm. If they even did start their own firm, they, like there's all these things that I make them do. Like, it's almost like I call it seminars, seminar. Cause like I'm teaching them, like I'm their professor um and i've even thought about could i do this at a law school and like teach it to law students but maybe they don't have enough context to appreciate it Mm -hmm. um so it's complicated but yeah it's like this is the subscription seminar thing and the podcasts are all under a separate business legal entity that i have called Kerbisverse llc which is like Mm um a portmanteau of course of my last name in metaverse or multiverse or universe or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. and uh, and it's just where i I monetize all the non-lawyer stuff that i do (laughs) and so like that's like another business entity i have but we're talking about maximum 20% of like my time is spent in that in that business
1: you have two words on that website which I'd never heard before I had to look them up before this podcast which was multi potentialite and polymath and I'm pretty well spoken Mm -hmm. I think and I know a lot of words I had to look them both up and I'm like oh okay that makes a lot of sense now so go look those words up if you're listening uh because you know you might have never heard of them either but excellent use of vocabulary Thank you. I want to start to wrap up and get to the final questions because I know we have a hard stop in a little bit with this recording, but any final thoughts, Rory, before, before we ask those three?
2: No, I mean, with uh, with attorneys, there's a kind of a lack of innovation that's kind of you know been in the field and kind of a lack of imagination out there. But what I like about this process, um, whether it's subscription or just packaging services up in a different way, you're actually putting yourself into the client's head and asking, what does the client really want? What does the client need? What does the client understand? Um, And starting from there, when you provide services, instead of, you know, saying, starting from the position of looking at what other firms do and then just um, emulating that. Yeah.
1: All right. We asked these questions of all of our guests in the podcast to wrap up the interview and just to get to know you a little bit better. Mr. Kerbis, Uh, first one is if you can get on stage for half an hour and talk
0: about any subject in the world with zero preparation, what would that be? Probably the subscription model, <laughs> just in general, but especially for legal services. But in particular, my most important takeaway would be context matters. I could boil it all down to those two words. Context matters. You never know when we ask that question. Sometimes like it's a stupid question
1: because people say exactly what we've talked about for the podcast the entire time. And sometimes people throw us like a curveball, like, oh, I would talk about, you know, my trip to Hungary, you know, fifty years ago and what I learned
0: there. Well, Uh, the reason why, though, Jason, is because the subscription model will help bridge the access to justice gap and attorneys will make more money and more people will receive legal needs like taken care of. And so if we could have more people and like like, and then you're reducing the the, the load on courts because you're doing litigation avoidance because you're solving people's problems on the front end. So like the subscription model can like actually help society, at least the U.S. society, like in so many ways. Right. Debt stress strapped lawyers will will be able to pay off their student loans more people will get access to legal services and we'll we'll avoid problems as a society so that we're spending less tax dollars on the legal system wouldn't that yeah. be great and so like that is th- the context of my i actually applied to be a ted fellows when that program still existed and then after i applied they they were like sorry we're canceling the program it's so, like i actually have like a 30-minute ted talk that i could give on this and it's a very different conversation because that's a very different audience yeah that, I mean, the social justice
1: part of it, the the equality part of it, you know, it's more than just a money grab. You know, you, you bring up some really interesting points there. If I wasn't married to an attorney, I wouldn't know how much it costs for legal services. And I wouldn't know who to ask for these kind of questions. And most people aren't married to attorneys
0: or no attorneys in their back pocket. So they probably have those exact same questions. And when people are only paying you $20 a month, they're not expecting a fancy office and a lawyer in a suit. Right. And and so, like, just the, the total, like, look. It's like the difference of going to Neiman Marcus to shop or going to Target. There are, mm-hmm. Every lawyer is a Neiman Marcus lawyer. I'm the Target lawyer, right? Like I'm the Costco lawyer. Like, like I am filling that market of which there's massive market opportunity. Some call it a, a blue ocean market, right? Uh, and I mean, it's the latent legal market. Like that's the term of art. And so there's there's it's been pegged at a trillion dollar worldwide market opportunity. Trillion dollar worldwide market opportunity and and very few lawyers are filling that need. So there's money to be made. Not all attorneys need to be in fancy offices with bookshelves full
1: of encyclopedias behind them, right? <laughs> the second question, tell us something that happened early
0: in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today. You know, uh, I was I was just raised in a family that encouraged giving back and volunteering. And um, like, just, I was always involved in those types of things. And like, we, we didn't have like a crazy means. Like we we're very like, middle-class, you know, like we didn't have to worry about money, but we also didn't have all the money to do everything in the world. Like I am a first generation attorney. Um, Both my parents are in sales, you know? Um, And so, uh, but they always just instilled in me just, you know, volunteering and giving back. And so that's, um, that's what I do. And to this day, I'd much rather volunteer than donate money to a cause because I just feel like you, you personally get more out of it, but also like you're, I feel like you're doing more. Uh, by like actually showing up somewhere and helping out in some way. Yeah, you see the effects of it instead
1: of just sending in a hundred bucks to an organization like, you know, you spend a couple hours there seeing what their mission is and and working with them. Yeah. Um, And by the way, if your parents are in sales, they must have instilled that in you as well. And Rory and I have talked a lot on this podcast about how they don't teach sales in law school. They just teach like the law. Mm -hmm. But you guys all as attorneys have to figure out how to make money with knowing the law. So, you know... Kudos to you for finding your way to a sales element
0: as well with your business. 32nd story. I was just speaking to a law school, the first year law students. They just started. It was like their second week. And uh, and I asked, I said, let's see a show of hands. It was like 150 students. Let's see a show of hands who wants to be in private practice. A lot of them raised their hands. I said, congratulations, you're also in sales. (laughs) You didn't know that when you started. But I just want to let you know now because I learned that a few years into practicing law. So, you know, practice those skills, start building that book, start building relationships. Think about it now.
1: Yeah. Final question. uh, Tell us something you're listening to or watching or reading these days. Anything in the world.
0: So I don't have a lot of time for like watching shows like I used to being a parent and a solopreneur. Uh, However, Foundation on Apple TV Plus, peak sci-fi, 10 out of 10 sci-fi. If you're interested in sci-fi, like Foundation is probably the best sci-fi show I've ever watched like and Star Wars is fantasy not sci-fi okay um but like and I'm not a huge Trekkie like Star Trek fan I kind of like some of the stuff I, I frankly like the more recent movie J- that J.J. Abrams did like the reboot more mm-hmm. uh which is which is more action-packed or whatever but like I know Trek is like high sci-fi stuff uh but this from what I've seen of, of Star Trek like foundation blows it out of the water phenomenal TV phenomenal sci-fi mm-hmm. all right thumbs up our foundation.
1: Um, well, Matthew Kerbis, where can people learn about you? We're gonna put all the stuff in the show notes. I know you have a lot of URLs. Uh, what's the what's the, what's the the one place people should go first?
0: Yes, GoDaddy loves me. Um, I have a lot of URLs. So uh, subscriptionattorney.com is where you can find me. I mean, if you Google or search on LinkedIn, the subscription attorney, you could also find me in a lot of places there. LinkedIn is the only social media platform I really use. My DMs are open. Feel free to connect with or follow me on LinkedIn. And um, the, the podcast is lostsubscribe.com. If you're interested in um, in seeing uh, like this interview, if you're listening to it and you want to watch the video of it, I link to all the YouTube recordings at matthewkerbis.com dot scom It's my speaker portfolio. I recommend every professional has a speaker portfolio. And then you could also see the other places that I've spoken at matthewkerbis.com and, uh, I mean, if you're interested in some of the other stuff I do, Kerber'sverse.com is, like, where I, where I put all that stuff. But that is, like, I don't particularly – I don't typically market that. <laughs> we could spend a whole yeah, 30 I mean, minutes on that. Uh, we certainly, yeah. certainly didn't talk about the wedding officiant or the eSports attorney part. But, you know. It all comes uh, back to, to my law firm in one way or another, believe it or not. Get up in front of a room of 200 people and you do a really good job officiating a wedding and you're making money there, right? Would you rather spend money marketing or make, make money marketing? And then they're all like, hey, what do you do? I'm, like, oh, I'm, an, I'm an attorney. Oh, tell me more. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it all comes back to the law firm.
1: Well, the last wedding we went to was a friend of ours that was efficient. And I think she's done probably three or four because she keeps doing such a good job with all of our friends. They keep asking her to do the weddings. Yeah. Thank you for that, Rory. Where can people find out about you if they want to learn more?
2: Um, if you just go to rorygill.com, you'll see all the different ways you can get in touch with me on my social media um, and all the different ways I can help you out.
1: Awesome. Matthew Kerbis, thank you for all your time today. Uh, We really appreciate it. It's a fascinating topic. We have not covered this on the podcast before. Uh, If you are an attorney, solo attorney, or working with a firm, looking to really grow your firm, uh, this is a model that you should consider. And now you know who to contact. Um, If you'd like to be on this podcast uh, or have questions for us, reach out to me, Jason, at NextHomeTitletown.com. We'll get you right to me. We'll get you set up on our calendar if it's a good fit. If you have questions for me or Matthew Kerbis or Rory. I can pass those along too. Gents, thanks so much for all your time today. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed it, five star reviews are always our best friend, and we love your comments too. We'll see you next time.